welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast. This is where we talk about all things marginalised uh, uh, groups and communities, um, what it's like to live uh, with disability, being LGBTQIA, being a BIPOC creator, um, addressing all of the not so frequently asked questions, the the taboos, basically trying to educate and and give you a sneak peek into the eyes of of creators and and um, their their experiences today. We have two wonderful people joining us. Um, we are going to be talking about marginalized groups in the gaming community. So I will uh, allow my guests to introduce themselves. Kay, would you like to start? I am Kay Purcell. I'm a community manager at Avalanche Studios Group. Uh, we make uh, Contraband and Just Cause. We don't, we are not Avalanche Software, which is another similarly named out of Utah that's working on a different property that I am not involved with. Please don't yell at me if you are trans. <laughs> trans rights are human rights. I'm not involved with that game. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been in the gaming industry or adjacent for about 15 years. I've been a community manager for over 15 years. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat today. Um, and Pip. Yeah, uh, my name is Pip. Uh, and I am the uh, and the marketing lead for uh, a little a little publishing company called No More Robots. Um, we help really small teams make the games that they've always wanted to make. Uh, so from one person up to I think our biggest team is only about five to seven people, uh, and that's that's really dope. That's really cool. Uh, getting helping people make their dreams come true is is just wild. Um, we uh we make games like uh, uh we help make games like not tonight uh which is a, an anti-brexit uh rpg uh and so my uh my rude awakening into the games industry i guess has <laughs> been a, a bit of an odd one uh, but no i i adore everything that we do um and i i'm excited we've got 17 games at the moment on the go and with only two of us being on the marketing team uh it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a wild one but we we enjoy it no end we we really really do yeah all right thanks for that um would you both like to tell me what it is that attracted you to talking on um the podcast today okay uh I've been involved in kind of the diversity space before I really understood the the true extent of the diversity struggle. Um, I remember, so like I said, my, my background is pretty extensive. Uh, I previously worked at DeviantArt and Red Bull Gaming and spent many, many, many years at DeviantArt and remember uh, just the struggle of trying to explain to people like why it was problematic that uh, we were doing Comic-Con panels and everyone up there was uh, a dude um, or why it was problematic that like we had, um, you know, in, in the hall of the office uh, portraits of uh, girls' butts, right? Drawn and artsy, but like still it was like, I understand this is art, but also... Um, and uh, throughout all that, really spent a lot of time struggling trying to understand who I was, why I felt the way I did, why things bothered me. And uh, very late in my life, came to the understanding that I wasn't just waiting to meet the right person, I was actually asexual. Um, 
And so realized I went from being an ally to a community to actually being part of it. Uh, and, you know, the more I have been involved in gaming, the more I have talked to people, especially women, other minority groups, um, just realized there's so much that we don't talk about, that we don't acknowledge, that we just assume is normal or everyone experiences or we just don't acknowledge. Um, that, you know, I am a person who's in a state in her career where, and at a wonderful company, which encourages me to be loud and angry and talk about the problems and uh, address them head on. So uh, yeah, I do what I can to stand up where I can and where I can be a, a representative, do that. And where I can be an ally and talk about the importance of allyship, do that. Uh, so any platform I can, let's make the world better for everyone. <laughs> and Pip, what attracted you to talking on the podcast today? So I started in the games industry three and a half, four years ago. Um, and previous to that, I had been in an auction house uh, where my nickname was useless because uh, I couldn't get up as fast as the other girls. Uh, I then became a streamer because I thought that was really cool. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I don't need to tell you, I guess, uh, about streaming culture and uh, how streaming culture affects uh, people who aren't uh, cis white men. Um, and then I, I thought, okay, well, I need to move away from this. And I was super lucky uh, in that my employer went, hi, I'm a white man who doesn't want the games industry to be full of white men anymore. You want to, you want to, you want to come do some cool stuff. Um, and I, I just, I wish there were more people who understood that need and why, why we need more spaces uh, like the one that I, I get to work in. I'm so lucky. I, I I am 100% aware. I am so lucky and I wish people understood uh, how good that the, the environment that I work in is and how we can put those into place. Um, and anything I can do to help drive that forward, I am 100% here for, mm. uh, especially given everything that is going on at the moment. Um, this is, is suitably timed for sure. Um. Lastly, before we move on to you uh, questions, um, would you both be able to give me your pronouns um, and where people can find you um, if they they wish to uh, support you um, outside of this podcast? Okay. Are she her? Um, I am uh, most active on Twitter at kdamphir. Uh, yes, I like vampires. K a y d a m p h y r. Uh, I do stream on Twitch, uh, mostly dice making and D&D at Damphy, D-A-M-P-H-Y. And I am also the senior D&D uh, &D editor and streamer at Gaming Trend. So I uh, actually am about to run an eight, uh, eight to 10 part horror campaign on Gaming Trend's uh, Twitch. So uh, check out Gaming Trend and see me DM scary things. Yep. Super cool. That is proper cool. I, I'm, so I, I, my friends and I just started a, a campaign in Ravenloft, and I'm, I'm DMing Ravenloft for the first time, uh, and uh, we were meant to be going on book, and I have gone totally off book, and it is wild. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm trying not to fangirl right now. This is like my D and D <laughs> wet dream. Um, having three uh, uh, DMs uh, <laughs> in, a, in a group. <laughs> We're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to chat about it afterwards and and, and have a, a little session about it. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so uh, I, you can call me she her or they them. Um, I don't I don't mind whichever makes anybody uh, most comfortable. Um, 
uh i uh, you can find the easiest place to find me is on twitter and that's tiny pixels with two x's because three x's would be the other website um uh but if you are interested in uh cool games by small teams and they are really cool they are really cool games uh we've got a beta coming out tomorrow for a game uh where it's a shooter uh but you shoot with sewing machines to fix people's clothes um so <laughs> and it is, as these two are rightly pointing out it is actually very very funny um so if you if you if you fancy cool if you like cool games and you like silly silly stuff uh no more robots and on twitter uh, no more robots HQ uh, is absolutely the place to be. I'm I'm not a particularly talented or interesting individual. Um, I I've got a horse that's pretty interesting, I guess. But outside of that, I'm not I'm not super interesting. But the work that um, the dev teams that I get to work with do is super super interesting. So go and go and support them because they're all bloody marvelous. And not tonight is amazing. Ah, uh, I I I wish. I'm just just throwing it out there. Just just support the cause. Can you imagine? Can you imagine tiny baby me who's never been a community manager before? And my boss sits me down and goes, all right, so I've got this Discord server full of people who are role-playing British politics. They've got a royal family. Uh, and uh, the price of the game depends on whether they vote to leave or remain in the EU. So uh, you go and get familiar with that, and uh, I'll catch up with you later. Poor, tired, frightened me. <laughs> Just, Why well, you're an excellent DM, I have no doubt. Uh, yeah, I am by now. If I wasn't before, I never. <laughs> I'm by now. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, All right. Well, I, I I personally want to thank you both for for coming on. Um, and um also especially well Kay for putting up with all of the shenanigans that have been going on and and pip for jumping in at such short notice um i really appreciate you you taking the time out of your days to to do this because i know that uh, obviously very busy lives <laughs> um and so i really appreciate it um Unfortunately, um, usually Paige uh, joins us uh, for these podcasts. Um, she is unfortunately having, um, well, one of the times of her lives. Uh, apparently, uh, she's she's uh, feeling very ill, and she's got obviously a lot going on outside of uh, outside of uh, stream life. So, unfortunately, couldn't join us. And Mouse also ended up with a chest infection. So. Unfortunately, you, you just have to put up with little old me. Um, and for those who don't know, which I'm assuming that most of you do, uh, I'm Drac. Uh, I am a pansexual demiflux um, UK goth uh, that uh, basically just really wants to uh, highlight uh, marginalised creators' stories and uh, uh, support um, the... Uh, equality of, uh, of of all as much as I can. Um, I've been part of the Through Our Eyes project for quite a while. Um, I hosted the last one um, I've, and uh, from the, those big streams um, came this baby where I wanted to dive a little deeper into um, individual people's stories. Um, for the big pod, big streams if anyone hasn't checked them out please do go and follow page um or arthromus um where the they're held every two months or so and the next one is on on gender 
Um, so, yes, um, let's get on to our questions. So, question number one is, so, Pride Month has sadly been and gone and, and left us, but education doesn't stop. What do you wish the general public knew about being LGBTQIA? Kay, would you like to start us off? Of course, there's a siren, like exactly. <laughs> uh, hi, y'all. I live in New York now. Um, so, uh, like I said, I came into the community uh, thinking I was an ally for most of my life um, and uh, came in at, at it's kind of an interesting story because I came in at an interesting time where um, actually a lot of the uh, LGBTQ community was uh, a little hostile towards uh, asexuals. Um, I was, when I finally started figuring out, um, I spent most of my life just thinking, I need, I just, I'll find the right person. I'll just, I'll find the right person. Um, turns out I was both uh, a romantic and asexual. So no, I was never going to find the right person. Um, but I believed everyone who told me I'd hit a certain age and suddenly it would all happen. Um, and I kind of started to um, put my put myself out there and immediately got like a very, very, you're not part of the community reaction from a lot of people. Um, you are not, you are not rejected because of your sexuality. Your sexuality is a whole. It's not like a pro like, and it was this very like, oh, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not part of this. I'll just kind of be quiet over here in the corner and was content to do that for a very long time because um and this is all leading to uh labels while powerful can be scary um and i had a fear even after i started coming to terms with i think i am this uh if i took the label and if i expressed myself as that label uh and then i did find someone um had, did I lie to people? Did I mislead people? Were people going to be upset with me? Um, and then also trying to, it, it was almost expressed to me that I was trying to use this label to make myself part of a community that I wasn't actually part of. Um, turned out really cool. I had some people reach out and say like, hey, just so you know, like this is probably going to pass. Uh, and it did. Everything is much more accepting and welcoming now. Uh, but at the time they said, hey, just so you know, before all this started, the bisexual community actually considered asexuals part of their community because they are equally attracted to men and women. Not at all. And that was just like this wonderful little wholesome welcoming moment. Um, so, you know, I wish more people understood that labels are powerful but scary. And um, trying to ask someone to label themselves before they are ready or when they're not comfortable with that label can be as harmful as it can be empowering. I, I very much feel... Uh, I, um... Uh, I identify with that story quite a lot, having been in exactly that situation myself with uh, being pansexual and, and yeah, similar thing. And I, I'm so glad to hear that you found that, like, other side of it that actually was accepting and was welcoming, because I think that's one of the things that really... Um, You'd, it isn't talked about a lot. It's it's not talked about a lot. But even in the LGBTQIA community, there is gatekeeping. There is gatekeeping, and it's it's 
really, really important to highlight for for those out there that maybe are not in, entirely sure where they fit in these things that just because a community says that you're not a part of it doesn't necessarily mean that you you have to find you have to find your people and you have well, to you have to be me. sensitive too because like i know a lot of people who are bisexual but then they end up in a in a relationship with some of the opposite sex and they're like well guess you're straight now and it's like yeah this is the thing and it, this is one of the things that i think is most important for us is that we do reach out to people and we do give that that welcome um mm -hmm. as you rightly say uh, as a as a bi woman myself um who uh, dates men i am a i am a traitor to the uh, lgbtqia plus movement um and i uh, was w even on an internal level like was i pretend i are you pretending uh, is this for attention and the more people say it the more it resonates with you and you start to you know believe it um but i i feel like it's important for us as members of that community to 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 give that welcome now and to to reach out um again i'm i'm a very lucky human um i'm quite in a in a quite comfortable space where the people that i work with and the the people that i speak to are very accepting and very understanding um, and now that I am in that comfortable place, I, I think it's very important for us to give, be the people to give that welcome now and to be the people who are open and understanding now and, and who, who listen and who reassure. Um, I, I think that's really important. So on, um, on that sense, uh, Pip, what, what do you wish that the general public knew about being LGBTQIA? Right, it's so hard to find a, a thing to say, but I think for me, it's the importance of role models, because um, having worked in the industry, and I, I know you'll both understand this, there's a lot of why have you put this character in? Is it for pandering? And having grown up, not really understanding my sexuality, and not having anybody to speak to about my sexuality, because I I was abs I was straight, most definitely, I was going to ma marry a nice man, and that was going to be it um and growing up it was it was very hard because there was nobody in the sphere that i i looked up to that was was able to give me that sort of role model sort of figure um and i i think it's so important for us to remember and and for us to educate the general public that these characters that that we uh, that we give people and um these you know the, these these people that we talk about in our industry the, the 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 fantastic fantastic people we have working in our industry we have so many of them we absolutely should be lifting them um and i i really wish we could educate the general public more on why these role models are so important um why it is important for especially young people in our communities to have somebody good to look up to I really, really worry at the moment about young women um, and um, well, all sorts of people coming into this industry at the moment and seeing all of the Activision Blizzard and all of the riot things going on. I can't imagine tiny me three years ago, four years ago, looking at the gaming industry as it is now and going, you know, I, I can't imagine how I would have dealt with that and if I would have even taken the step to apply. It looks terrifying, and I, I I genuinely wish that more people understood that 
one of the reasons why we put these characters into our games, one of the reasons why we put all these options into our games, and one of the reasons why we lift so many BIPOC creators and LGBTQIA plus creators in our industry is to give these solid role models for people who are desperate to break into our industry, but are terrified of this wall of non-acceptance and non-understanding that it is so visible right now. Um, and I, I wish a lot of the general public would help us lift those people um, and see how important that was. You're like the a bubble of light and- Hello. <laughs> Hi, it's, it's me. I never shut up. Um, oh, hello. you're so you're so like bursting full of joy. It's just uh... mate. Um, I helped release an anti-Brexit game. You cannot pull me down now. <laughs> I am the most powerful person in the games industry, and there is no pulling me down now. <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> did either of you experience any? resistance in um your um industry entrance oh. i don't really know how to oh, phrase that oh better. No. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> without making I... it sound lewd uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear did you find any resistance um I'll, I'll in response I'll save you. it's okay I'll, I'll save you and come in with a story uh, so when I started and I was announced, a bunch of people went to watch all of my old VODs because I'd been a streamer for so long. Um, and it was incredible to me, the response of, how are you going to hire a woman? She doesn't know anything about video games. How dare you put a lady at the helm of our community for a political game? How dare... Uh, and the great thing was that the, the, between Mike and I, the two of us got to prove everybody wrong. Um, but yeah, it was it was really hard at the beginning, um, and still people come into people come into. We've got um, a, a bike game that it attracts a particularly sporty community, and some of that can be a little bit hard sometimes. Um, but it, it's great because having faced that hardship at the beginning, we've now put in place all these barriers where I have zero problems with kicking people out, with telling people to get lost, with telling people please don't buy our video games you are not the intended audience please do not spend your you keep your money you keep your pocket money it's okay um but yeah no at the beginning it was really hard it was really hard um and i kind of wish there had been the, somebody there to shelter me a little bit um because community management and marketing is so forward facing um, it is so public facing and I, I do kind of wish <laughs> that somebody had been there to shelter me a, a little bit from it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it can be really hard. It, it really can be hard. And Kay, how about you? Well, I mean, my entry was a very long time ago. I am a dinosaur. I am a living fossil. 300-ish years, it's kind of started to blend together. I don't know. Um, uh, I started uh, actually as I, I'm one of those stories of I was a volunteer moderator at DeviantArt uh, and worked my way into a full-time position and 15 years of employment. Um, and there was definitely a lot of, it, it, it was interesting. A lot of it was I was a woman. I was also a soccer mom. I was also a perverted old man uh, in the basement. Like, you know, it was in any, whatever argument would serve them, that's kind of what I was. So I was kind of used to that. Um, I, 
I, I worked in comics as well. So I definitely dealt with um, a lot of sexism through the comic side of things. You know, this is, yes, there are problems in the gaming industry. It's not just the gaming industry. Having come up through websites.com, comics, reality TV, like, all of these male-dominated spaces do tend to have a lot of this problem. Toxic masculinity hurts everyone, including men. Um, but um, I still, it's not even the beginning, I still, on a fairly regular basis, um, encounter this. When I uh, was applying for where I ultimately ended up working at Red Bull, uh, I was interviewing at one place. Um, and at this point, I was lead editor at Gaming Trend. Um, and so I had that as part of my resume, right? Like, hey, not only do I play games, uh, I review them and I oversee a team that reviews games. And uh, they had me interview, and I won't say the company, but they had me interview with uh, a, an individual who would have reported to me. I would have been his boss. He had uh, my complete resume plus the links to all of my articles. You could just click my my profile page. And he said, okay, yeah, I see that you like video games you say and you like write about video games but do you actually play them and i'm like no i watch the trailer video and then write three thousand word articles about what i think the game plays like um and he didn't like that's the kind of shocking thing is he didn't think there was anything weird or wrong about asking that question like i helped do the influencer campaign that launched Overwatch. But this was an okay question. It's mad to me that people still think that this is accepted. We've, we've all got stories like it, and it, it's, it's, it's actually mind-boggling to me how these people even consider that that's a, a, an okay or, or yeah, yeah. relevant thing to ask. That's, it's, it's bizarre. It's so what? utterly bizarre. One of my favorite stories is I went, I was at a journalist. I was a press pass journalist at New York Comic Con. I went to play a game and I won't say the game because this is not the fault of the company, but they had a booth boy who uh, was running the, the demo station for this game. And I go in to play the game. I am in New York Comic Con before the doors have opened. I have both an exhibitor and a press pass. I've got an appointment. I go up, I show him my appointment. He hands me the controller and starts explaining to me what a controller is. And I'm like, honey, I know I look young, but I have literally been playing video games longer than you have been alive. It's it, it, funnily enough, we always get the opposite. Um, so the No More Robots booth, um, there are seven of us now, but there used to be three of us, only three of us to run the whole company. We had a programmer, we had me and we had Mike, bless him. Um, and we'd go to PAX and we'd set up our booth and we'd spend a week building the booth and um, we'd put descenders on these these big TVs and it was all great and we were all sweaty and horrible. Um, and then fellas would come over and go, well, what's our end? And, you know, you'd explain the game to them and, and get them playing. Right, but can I have the fella tell me? Why, what do you mean? Can you have the fella tell you? Can I have the fella tell me the game? I take it they've just hired you. And I'm like, mate. Wait, I'm practically the only employee that you've got. So yeah, it's 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 crazy that um, it, it is absolutely mind-boggling to me that people still think 
uh, that's in entirely acceptable. Um, I stopped wearing skirts at conventions because of that oh, entire oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, pro tip number one. No. Don't wear it. No, yeah, no, no. Not and, even if they have pockets. T-shirts, T-shirts up to here. Um, every every convention day, yeah. Because yeah. really, oh yeah, nobody, no, nobody. When I when I first started doing PAX events, I every morning I would get up early. I'd put on so much makeup and I'd do my hair and I put my skirt on and I feel really powerful and I'd walk down to the booth and it only took one person to tell me that they it, the company had clearly hired me to be there to work on the booth and I had no idea what any of the games did um, to ruin my entire day. And eventually, it got to the point where. I would go down in just jeans and a t-shirt and just, you know. Um, at, uh, yeah. at San Diego Comic-Con, I would both work Artist Alley uh, for DeviantArt, and then I was also doing journalism stuff on the side. So again, double passes. Uh, and I went in cosplay one time, and I was uh, in a, a, a tailcoat and black jeans. Black jeans, tailcoat that went down to the back of my knees beaded really complex wig covered head to toe like literally from here to toe boots um and i knew most of the artists because i worked with them and i'm talking to um a friend an artist friend of mine about uh the miniseries he was putting out and an individual who worked for a major comic company comes up and kind of joins our conversation and i'm a little bit excited because he's not like a big deal but like you know networking is great and exciting and he, uh, I said something about like, oh, I, I, I don't remember how it came up, but he said I something about um, fall on my ass or so, something like that came up, and he goes, honey, I hate to tell you this, but in that outfit, everybody knows exactly what your ass looks like. Nope. Nope. Again, jeans and a tailcoat. Yeah, no, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. No. And my, my my friend comic artist is like, you saw him just sitting there in shock and he didn't speak up because he was just like, he didn't even know how to parse what just happened. And I was like, I'm wearing a tailcoat. Have a good day. And he flagged me over later and he's like, I am so sorry. I should have. I've never seen that. And I'm like, we see it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And we, we, you do enough of those sorts of things and you have stories. I've got stories of being in my uniform uh, which is black trousers, black, black shoes, and then we have our black t-shirts that have the little logo on. Again, they're, they're you know, unisex t-shirts. Um, and a guy at a, a convention that was tailored towards a particular console uh, came over to my booth, told me that there was no point him giving feedback on the game that I was showing um, because uh, I wouldn't be able to relay it properly anyway. Um, which is great because he thought it was made in Unity and actually it was a, a marvel, a marvel because it was made in Construct 2. Uh, and literally nobody on this planet knows how to use Construct 2 uh, except the, the the devs that we've got. It's it's mad. Anyway, that's sorry, that's besides the point. Uh, he then followed me around the entire convention until a lovely lady managed to save me um, and uh, pulled me away for a desperate matter that one of my devs was having a breakdown. Uh, we sat in the corner for a bit. We reported the guy. He then came to PAX the next day to my booth, demanding to speak to me about why I'd got him thrown out of a convention. Uh, and he refused to leave until he'd spoken to me. And again, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, people are really frightening. So we've all got stories like that. We've, we've all got them. It's horrendous, whether it's somebody speaking to you in a bizarre way at a party because they think it's acceptable, whether it's 
somebody who will not leave your booth at a convention, whether it's somebody emailing your boss because you absolutely have no idea what you're doing and so you should probably be replaced by them that would be really nice here's my cv uh we've we've all got we've all got stories like it we've we've literally I've had that exact one too yeah <laughs> uh yeah we've we've all got stories like that and it's it's terrible um so yeah it's it's not just people's entry into the games industry that's often turbulent uh and, and uh, turbulent sorry english is my second language uh my english bad today um it's it's generally the whole time that we're here so these the, i mean we have angled we've it. now broken track <laughs> we have Game's angled it towards good. your entrance into the the industry as in your your official positions but it sounds like this isn't something that's limited to that for you this has been something that you've had to endure throughout your like it's kind of like a sign up of if you're going to be involved in gaming in any sense of the word whether it be in an official capacity or in a uh, um uh, uh enjoyment capacity you're gonna end up with situations like this only bad I, I promise it's not all bad i make it sound horrendous oh no 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 i i'm going I, somewhere I, with I... this i'm just trying <laughs> <laughs> i make it sound horrible um I do. I mean, I, I, every time somebody asks that, I suddenly go, oh, no, you've been doom and gloom for a whole two minutes. Quick, remind people the industry is nice. Um... No, it's, it's, it's purely to highlight the fact that, especially um, um, femme-presenting um, individuals in the industry, both professionally and... Um, um, uh as a hobby are going to experience these things so it's not just something about oh don't put yourself in the limelight don't put yourself into a position i mean that that would even come up in an argument is is well what so you're expecting no no one to ever apply to the gaming industry uh and not want to be part of uh what they're passionate about but even just uh, enjoying the uh, the products themselves welcomes it. I uh I have some really I used to work with a, a gentleman who um was black and he is just an amazing, hardworking backbone of the team and was told point blank, "Oh, you're just the diversity hire." You know, it is it is not just women. It is not just it it spans the gamut. Um. And I could go on for a really long time about where this notion came from and why it is so strong. It has to do with Nintendo being in the boys section of the toys because they didn't want an electronics. That's the root of it. And it just went from there. Pretty solid because this concept isn't as strong in Japan where it wasn't required to be in a, in a gendered section. Um, but it's, we're at an interesting place because we are actually talking about this stuff. And I have been in the industry long enough where you didn't bring this stuff up. You couldn't bring this stuff up. And if you did, you know, you were a a raving stark voice that was causing trouble. And, you know, why why is this such a big deal? No one else sees this as a problem. Um, so it is actually really exciting and really rewarding 
to be able to fight these battles, to be able to stand up and to be able to see changes happening. Now, often there's a lot of token, oh yeah, we let this one person go right before our investor calls, right? And all of these normal, oh yes, we put one woman co-in charge. Um, but I, I have seen, and I think I'm jumping ahead in the questions and I apologize, but like I have seen major changes even in my time. Um, and it's so rewarding to be able to stand up and have these conversations. And as you see, when Pip and I start talking, it's like, oh my goodness, you dealt with you that too. too. I dealt with that. Oh. It's so confirming <laughs> yeah. to just be like, yeah. yeah, we can say this and we don't have to say it like in the restroom in whispers anymore. We yeah. can say this in the open and people go, oh, are you just saying that because you want attention? Oh, is this just, are you just having a bad day? Do you just need to say that this happens? so you feel good about yourself? It's nice. Uh, I, I say it's nice. It's not. It's awful. Um, but, it, but it is. But, but it is nice that you are you are never alone in these experiences, and we are much stronger for sharing them. Mm -hmm. um, even you know, you talk about about the fact that you've been going for sort of fifteen plus years. Um, if we go back four years to when I was a streamer, I was at a convention where um, another streamer hugged me by picking me up underneath my bum. Uh, and I was surrounded by people and they all went very quiet and they all stood there. Nobody said anything. And it was never spoken about again, because if you spoke out against big streamers, you were never going to make it as a streamer. You didn't want to cause trouble for other people. That was bad. And now, of course, we're at a stage where if somebody does something, there are absolutely networks and ways for you to be able to stand up and say something. And it's so important. It's so important that we've made that progress. Um, it, it's getting better, just slowly. I mean, to play devil's advocate. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming up more. On the it other hand... It has to get worse before it gets yeah. better. It has yeah. to be messier first. On the other hand, it... The fact that there is still things coming to light, there's still so little done, there's still big streamers that it's it's taken, you know, pitchforks and, and, and torches to remove and often it's only a bit temporary until they move over to somewhere else or or come back and and it's just a case of there needs to be more actively done to to enact this change to 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 start it's like i don't know whether you both saw um the uh, uh top 10 um uh most watched streamers uh um oh yeah but women are stealing all the views right there's and... also there's also one guy up there who uh was forcibly removed from a convention not too long back um there's absolutely somebody on that list who uh uh who was removed from not only removed from a convention uh but harassed uh and threatened violence against the woman who did so um and and he's he's about halfway up that list that's really great to see twitch i'm watching you hold us accountable um it's really frightening. It's really frightening. But the important thing is now that we're making the space to be able to do that. I know it's slow progress and I know it's not enough and I know it's not fast enough and I know it's not enough 
in any capacity, but we have to make the room for it to be enough first because it has gone on so long. And um, it, it is exhausting to be having the same conversation. And people keep saying like month after month, year after year, I'm sorry, decade after decade, we, we knew about Blizzard. We knew, I knew about Blizzard before I worked in games. And if you didn't know, it was because you didn't want to know. You saw, you didn't acknowledge, right? And we are forcing people to go, to, to have to do this thing that humans are really bad at doing, which is separating something I love from the people who made it. And that is so difficult for us to do. And it's really been funny to watch some of these people be like, oh, well, I'm glad I never liked that company's games. I only like this company's games. And then like, like, oh, well, I don't like that company. I, oh, I like, mm, okay, well, I deleted my Battle.net account. I'm only going to play this game. And I'm like, you know, that company's next, right? Like <laughs> it, it's every, they're all, it's going to continue to happen because it's a really small industry. And this is like, when I talk to people about getting into gaming, like, what's the phrase? Uh, do no harm, but take no shit. <laughs> like, be very aware of who you're talking about, right? And it is a balance because it, it's an important phrase because if you talk bad about people, they will find out because it is a small industry. But also there are times when you really do need to talk bad. And the cool thing is there are companies that I... When I was job hunting this last time, I had to make a decision of like, am I going to continue to be an angry feminist screaming, we need change? Or am I going to tone it down and make my social media much more palatable for bigger companies, right? And I decided, no, if I have to, if I can't bring my whole self to work, if I can't say we have problems and we need to fix them, then I don't want to work there. And I had the luxury to make that decision. Not everyone can. If you can't do it, you know, you've got to, you've got to pay the bills. I um, identify with that. I went for, I, I, a few people know, I went for an interview um, uh, for a community, community manager uh, position. Um, and I was absolutely in love with the company. I was in, in love with the uh, uh, people there, um, the, the games they produced, everything. Um, but the one thing that really didn't sit well with me was... The fact that I couldn't play any other games anymore. I couldn't uh, um, uh, uh, talk about opinions of other games anymore. I couldn't have... Basically, I couldn't have opinions. And that, to me, was just a case of like... But I like other games. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> you... In order to make games, you need to know what else is going on. If yeah. all you do is, like, that is so, like, and look, we got, Riot has problems. I personally love Riot. I have friends who work there and have not experienced harassment. That said, I have no doubt that everything that was said not only happened, it was under, it was downplayed, right? It's a huge company. They do some cool things. I was second choice for three or two or three positions at Riot. Right. Like I have spent a lot of time trying to work at Riot, even knowing because knowing I could go in there and be a voice of change. And like, yeah, I'm also a powerful woman in the gaming industry. Try and bring me down. Watch what happens. Right. Uh, one of the things they do is they give you 
money every year, month, quarter, I forget, to go buy other games so that you know what's going on. Because if all you only focus on is what you're doing, you get this tunnel vision and your actually quality of games go down because that's all you know. So yeah, I'm I'm also, I assume you didn't get the position. No, and I did not get the position. That's a bad place to be because uh I, I stick by that they're a wonderful company, um, but it, it was just part of their their principles as as uh, in that position mm. because you were front facing. But, so bizarre. Yeah, we, so bizarre. As said, we we have a server where we play games together. All of us who work in the company and all of our little dev friend groups. We have a little server together and we all sit and play games together and laugh and and see what's going on and we have a chat specifically. To be like, hey, this game came out. It's really cool. Like, I, I wh what? <laughs> I probably should have brought someone on who was uh, going to make community management sound less appealing to me. But uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm. Are, are you? Uh, so you asked the wrong person when you asked me because. Because like, right I... now you both are a real, a real like oh, poking that that <laughs> that dead if you, dream. If you, ever, <laughs> if you ever get the chance to come and work at No More Robots, I, I genuinely we work with we get to work with some of the most talented people in this industry. We get to watch them work. We get to watch them build these things, and we get to hype them up and like explore these things as they're building them. And not only that, but then all these community friends that we've made in all of our servers and across all our social media networks, we get to tell them about all this really cool stuff bit by bit. It's a great job. It really is. See, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I also have to look at graphs and do paperwork and admin and book sales in and deal with like the the Steam backend's kind of confusing sometimes. <laughs> Does that help? Occasionally I have to write the word Steamworks in capitals and that blows. <laughs> like <laughs> no, I, I, I mean more in the sense that it is good to actually see strong, opinionated women just bossing it. Like I don't know what you're talking about. I have no opinions ever. <laughs> I have too many of them, so I'll have enough for the entire call. You're all welcome. <laughs> like it, it, it. That to me restores my faith a little bit in things changing. Just because I'm seeing more evidence that there are strong individuals out there that are a voice for change, that are they're not squashed down and playing by the rule book in the sense of fitting in. I I will also say, like I had a producer, uh, hey Tori, who is amazing and wonderful, and like she came at this in the most in emotionally intelligent way possible and in that she had been in the industry long enough she had watched what happened you know she knew how people reacted and she knew exactly when to speak up and exactly when to let something go because that is part of the problem with championing diversity in these causes is you can become just that voice who's howling about everything and i have to learn when that like that is still part of my challenge after all this time i'm like oh i want to help about this thing but maybe now's not the time um so there are a lot of women who are strong and opinionated but quiet right and let's not 
let's not forget to thank those quiet warriors who are out there doing the smart thing, having the conversations behind closed doors with the right people. Like instead of trying to yell at the whole room like I do, they're like, hey, one person, come here. And they have that conversation and they back it up with research and like they come in with a spreadsheet when they need to. And those quiet rule following women are also amazing. Men and women of people of all over, like there's so much in this space that needs to change. And there are people of all different talents and voices and levels and intensity championing it. And I love you all. But that's, that's the kind of stuff that I want to hear about. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see. I, I mean, yeah, you don't have to be the singular person shouting in the room to, to be doing good things and to enacting change. You, there are many ways to be a voice and there are many ways to do the, the, the good things behind the scenes. Um, so that for me brings me on to um, accessibility and um, how, how are we seeing more representation of, of marginalized groups? um and if if we're not seeing that how can that be achieved what what needs to change for that interesting time for that with the pandemic i guess um and we are unfortunately we are now at a bit of a um a difficult bit where uh working from home has been excellent for lots of people and working remotely has given so many people so many opportunities um, and unfortunately we are at this tipping point now where a lot of companies are saying right well pandemic's over the punching is gone uh let's let's just all go back into offices um and i am very worried about lots of people who had lots of opportunities because they could work more flexible hours because they could work from a location that suits them better um, people who have, could set up their work environments as they needed them to, rather than whatever their office required, um, having that stripped away again. And that, that's, a, that's a real genuine concern of mine. Um, I'm very lucky our company is, is uh, work from home constantly. We've always been remote. We're always going to be remote, uh, basically, uh, because Mike lives up in Manchester and I live down in South Wales. Uh, I cannot move to England because I don't speak English well enough. Um, I, I only speak Welsh fluently, so that's a no-go on my part. Uh, but it means for my house, for example, I've set up my office where my bathroom is right nearby, which is really important for me as somebody with EDS. I struggle to get up and out of my chair, so I have a specific chair. Um, if I was... Um, oh, there's a, there's a Welsh person. Close up, friends. Uh, it, it, if if I had to go back into an office and be in an office environment, I would really struggle. I would really, really struggle. And I am very worried that we've made a big step forward in a lot of cases. Um, thank you, coronavirus, I guess. But also, also, we are now at a point where, unfortunately, that is about to be ripped away from people again. And I really, really hope um, I really, really hope that we can see a continuation of this because it's done so many people so much good. It really, really has. And it's given so many people so many opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have had. 
Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things that I um, am extremely upset about seeing happening again. It's like we we have realized so much change in the past uh, year and a half. There has been so many improvements. There's been so much more thought going into how things are done and how people access things and and what resources and access people need and accommodations and and it's all being undone again and that to me is is extremely frustrating because that was exactly why i had to leave my job oh no oh. but oh. that that is frustrating um it's okay what 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 are your thoughts on on um the attitudes towards marginalized groups in and their uh, representation so i do think like it has been amazing seeing companies come together and figure out that yes remote working is great um and i think it's had big impacts on people in ways that a lot of companies haven't thought about at all um an indirect example for me uh, I was at my vet trying to pick up medication for my cat. I was waiting out front. I was wearing a really cool Wolverine jacket. And a uh, guy comes up and is all like, oh, hey, I love your Wolverine jacket. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And he's like, yeah, are you a fan? Or I'm like, yeah, I am. Like, I, I like X-Men. And he's all like, cool. Uh, how many issues did so-and-so work on the Wolverine book? And like, my brain like went to be like, and then I was like, wait, like, and I stopped myself and I'm like, yo, dude, like, that's not cool. Don't, there's no reason to gatekeep that. Right. Like, I, like I, I've worked with artists who draw Wolverine, but I don't need to tell you, right. That's, that's not what we do. And that's just like being a woman. I can't imagine the microaggressions that people who have, you know, uh, physical disabilities have avoided for the past year. I can't imagine, you know, the the racist comments, the microaggressions towards, you know, LGBTQ, like all these things that we just haven't had to deal with for a year, at least. Um, it is exciting to see there are a lot of companies, mine included, are looking at, you know, let's keep a, a work flexible environment. So like, yes, uh, we want to work with you depending upon what is your preferred work style. Because even me, uh, I work really well brainstorming, working with people, figuring out. And like, for me, that's part of, especially being a community manager for a big company, I kind of, it helps to get a feel for what everyone is feeling. And it's sometimes hard to get that over text. So being in the room and being like, okay, these people are stressed, but these folks want to party. You know, you can figure out who to approach, who needs what. Um, but also like there are days I need to sit down and write documentation. And if someone's being loud, if they're like recording sound effects over there, especially as so many of these companies are open offices, like even without disabilities, even without people who are neurodivergent, it's really hard to do that sometimes. So this idea that, okay, look, we need you in the office for these certain meetings because in game dev, we do all need to come together. We do need to throw everything up on the wall. This thing isn't working, let's hash it out. Those meetings are really important. So let's make sure that the important meetings are there. And then let's plan to have at least one person remote for every meeting, every day of the week. Like, and watching companies try to figure this out to make it, even if it's, even if the intent isn't to make it more um, inclusive, more accessible, 
that is the end result. And if they're thinking of it that way, right, I don't care if the if the the ultimate goal is let's just make this better for everyone or let's make this more accessible. If the end goal is accessibility, that's actually better because that means it's going to happen faster. Right? Like when when you do something that promotes accessibility and costs money or makes money, the make money is going to happen and faster and stick around. So let's figure out how we can push things that direction. Unfortunately, it's not happening in every company, but um, you know we're seeing enough pushback from people. Um, really quick about inclusion, uh, I will say. So I'm the only like American on this call, and I feel very uncultured with my southern accent sometimes slipping out, maybe. Um, but I grew up in small town Texas. Um, I can also do the Mississippi because I watched a lot of X-Men and I love Rogue. Amazing. Um, but Thank I grew you. up in small town Texas and um, very religious, very, and I didn't, we used the word gay as an insult, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and so part of the, the accessibility and um, representation within games, I learned what being gay, what being gay was from Final Fantasy VII. And I'm going to say this a little bit carefully because with Remake coming out, I don't want to spoil things for people, but there is an arc with Barrett that I looked at his arc and went, oh, Barrett is gay. And then I saw all these things and I started seeing like, oh, they make fun of gay people for doing this thing. And he did that thing. And perhaps it was meant to be demeaning in the original, but my young innocent self didn't see it as demeaning. I saw it as entertaining and celebrating what this person was doing and i mean i guess we'll find out in remake if my reading of that situation will ever become canon um and then i think we're seeing it too now with remake a lot of people are seeing um cloud as trans they're seeing the trans journey inside of cloud so i think the other important thing is even if representation isn't the intent if you are putting something out there and people start reacting to it please be open to that and please be sensitive. And like, it might not have been your intent, but storytelling is powerful, even if it's unintentional. So please keep that in mind. And taking this a bit further, um, how can, um, how would you like to see um, uh, the industry as a whole um, improve its its attitude and its use and representation of of communities um marginalized groups and such forth um whoever wants to jump in first for me i think it's a support and an education thing um i think the uh, marginalized groups so um i i can back this up a little bit in that uh, we're looking for for programmers and all sorts of things at the moment um and we are very much pushing that we would like somebody who is who is not perhaps a, a cis white man to come and join our team because um, we've you know uh, we're we're looking to make sure that we constantly have a, a nice big diverse team um, and, and you know people have opinions on that sort of thing that's absolutely fine but that as a company is what we're currently looking for so we put out these adverts and 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 we talk about it a lot um, and the question always comes up why do we not get lots of x person the, these x people that we're looking for 
um, that are sort of more diverse? Why are we not seeing more of them? And it always, I feel like it always seems to come down and, and you can tell me better, I guess, because you've been in this industry much longer than I have. Uh, but it feels to me like we're not helping people get educated in these spheres from these marginalized groups. Now, that, that doesn't matter whether it's um, BIPOC creators, whether it's um, uh, LGBTQIA+, whether it's it's women, whether it's non-binary people, whether it's trans people, it doesn't matter. It feels like these marginalized groups are not getting the support they require to go through and learn these particular skills. Now, I don't know whether that is um, social support in some kind of way and whether we need to make the make courses more attractive. I don't know whether it's um, a funding issue and we can look at perhaps funding some more uh, courses specifically for these sorts of people. I don't know whether it's an access problem, whether the technology is not accessible to these. But I, I, I don't I don't have the answers there because I don't have the data and I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in making making judgments without kind of the data in front of me. Um, but if we could if we could push for a, a whole mix of all of that i don't see that as a bad thing in any way in any way whatsoever um i would very much like to see um more pushes for education things like um our company's affiliated with uh, uh girls make games and things like that uh, their workshops are incredible and they it, it's so inspiring to see young people who I was one of them once. <laughs> um, not be told that games are only for boys or you won't be clever enough to make video games, right? Um, I, I've booked myself onto a little programming course tomorrow afternoon on my lunch break. And I feel really brave because little tiny me wanted to make video games and was told that games were for boys, right? Games were for boys. And they were for big manly boys what make big manly games. And that was that. And I just wish that we could be supporting people who were little me along now so that we could have this more diverse workspace. And I, I think I think that would be cool. I think that would be really cool. Okay. God, I um, had three different accents there. I'm so sorry for anybody <laughs> who's trying to follow along. Naturally, I speak like this because I, I speak Welsh as a, as a primary language. So generally, I need fucking subtitles. Um, so I am trying to keep it as understandable as possible. I'm so sorry. I but love the fact that between us, we cover so many there. different accents. Get a pint into me and I break out in Yorkshire. California, like if we want a true yeah. California feel, I can do that too. So I can do both those. <laughs> No, please. That's that was that was one syllable at a time, and my poor brain couldn't quite translate that quick enough. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, so kind of addressing some of what you said from my experience within the the space. Um, of course, I am in America where there is a systemic problem. I I am I do not have the information of how deeply uh, the systemic issues extend beyond America, but I imagine it's not dissimilar. Um, but so one of the things I often, I spend a lot of time advising, um, people of color as well as women or anyone LGBTQI, like anyone who's not a straight white dude, um, we tend to auto eliminate ourselves from applications very quickly. Um, we will see, you know, 
we will see must have these four things. And we're like, oh, I click three of those boxes, so I'm not going to apply. I feel cool. But out. someone will apply. <laughs> and they'll only tick two of those four boxes and they will get the job, right? We auto eliminate ourselves uh, from this a lot. Um, so that's a big problem. I actually just did an interview with uh, Barclays Bank for their gaming division and like went on a tear about, you know, the all the nice haves, all the must haves. Uh, and one of my big things is like when you're hiring, do you really need a college or high school diploma for this role? Because look, I went through both high school and college. I don't really use my college degree for community management. Now, the sociology courses definitely helped. The English courses definitely helped. But someone could come up and start this very easily and be trained up in this. So like, really, if, if the person can teach themselves programming, do they need to have a college course, a college degree to do that? Like, start asking yourself, like, if you really do want diverse hires, because actually, a lot of those requirements are a, are part of the systemic racism problem because this education is not available. Whole other rant, slightly pivoting. Um, you're right. We there is not a lot of support for people within these community, uh, within the gaming industry itself. One of my biggest frustrations is we see people being like, "Hey, we need a senior VP with like 15 years of C-suite experience. We'd love to see more women and minorities apply." Cool. How many women and minorities within your company right now have you promoted, have you nurtured, have you sent to leadership courses? Um, and it's a it's a thing, it's a, a blind spot that has been a blind spot for so long that it is problematic. Even if it's unintentional, it's become a problematic blind spot. Um, I went off on a rant about the questions you asked, and I have now lost the original question, which I think I was supposed to answer, which is so on brand for me. <laughs> um, it was, um, how can we um, uh, enact change uh, in the uh, industry, and uh, um, are, are we doing enough, basically? we're never doing enough <laughs> um community manager um you know enacting change is it is a long and slow progress because if it happens too fast it's a rubber banding effect right it's like in america we elected president obama and everyone went cool no racism is no longer a thing we have a black president racism's over goodbye racism we conquered it hooray and then we saw what happened um, so there is a rubber banding effect where so things things progress and then they come back and then they progress and they come back. And so I have to, I remind people, this is a marathon, right? It is not a sprint. We're going to see quick progress and then we're going to see regression and we're going to see the same things. Um, what can we do to enact change? Reach out to your friends who are from underrepresented communities. People of color, women, any kind of minority. LGBTQ plus, whatever, even if, you know, neurodivergent, neurodivergent people can be amazing in this industry, but also face so many challenges trying to fit into these, especially the open office or the open air offices, like so difficult. Um, reach Thank out you. to them, be a support. And I think the best thing I can say, uh, because this is, this is the rant that I'm always on, um, be an ally. 
like yes represent yourself but i i am a white woman so i have a privilege of being white and if i only focus on women's issues i'm not really going to be that effective i become extra effective when i am in a space of only white people and someone makes an unacceptable comment about race because i have then taken away the safety of that space i like a lot of these systemic issues it's kind of like mold in a bathroom yes they clean up the wall and there's no more mold on the wall but if you open that cabinet it's still down there and that mold is going to continue to grow in those spaces where there's only straight white guys welcome at that table and until straight white guys get in that space and it's a terrible position to be in you were not popular people don't like you this is their space it's just a joke why don't you get it you don't make friends when you do that but that's how you stop the problem so take the time and it it's not it's not just hard to do this it's sometimes dangerous to do this but reach out to male colleagues who want to be allies who want to listen who are eager and ready to learn and really take the time and it's emotional labor but take the time to listen to them take the time to educate them take the time to explain why sitting and listening to the thing that happens in front of you and then coming up later and saying hey i didn't agree with that is not true allyship that support it's not allyship explain why they're speaking up then and saying that's not okay is what's actually going to change this and to do that when no one else is around to pat them on the back um that is the best thing you can do is be a voice in the community where you are not a minority i think that's uh highlights something very uh um that I feel like really needs to be uh, uh, spoken about. Being an ally should not be getting um, a, a cookie and a pat on the head. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> you're not an ally if you're looking for a reward for it. It's You're an ally because you keep on at it because that's the right thing to do. And it's it's irrespective of if anyone is watching or if if anyone is is going to be there and go yay you did the thing like it's and it's one of the things that has been um quite an annoyance about twitch and its tags and the whole oh can we use lgbtqia tag as as allies and it's like some people are okay with it some people aren't and it's a case of give that tag to the people it applies to and and then give them a platform rather than trying to be a and using the tag as a oh well i'm accepting of of that there's i mean you don't need that tag to be to be uh, um uh, uh, discovered uh, if as an ally you you have so much more things that you can be discovered through let people have their tags if they want them because again the, the idea that we now are forced into labels if people don't want to use the labels don't don't don't, don't yeah. criticize them for it's it as exhausting as it is 
Like yeah. my job, my job is not to educate people and especially not educate people who are arguing bad faith or who are looking for mm-hmm. it, it, it. And some days I go, okay, do you know what? We're going to have a VM day today and I'm just going to keep myself to myself and I'm just going to take a break because we don't, we don't owe anybody that in internally my friends and i have a little cartoon uh, it's a little crayon drawn uh certificate uh that that reads congrats you did bare minimum uh and occasionally we just kind of send it to each other with somebody's name on and sigh uh, because you know but I, there are and we all feel this I, I feel as a as a community i feel i'm quite safe saying that there are days when we absolutely do not have the mental energy to educate you. Uh, we we don't. We we. There are days when it all is a little bit too much, and and our, your education should absolutely not be a, a burden on us. Um, if, if we are if we are in a position where we can educate, we absolutely should. But we always need to look after ourselves and keep ourselves, you know, not just safe. But you know, healthy. <laughs> um, there's a there's a fantastic bit um, that in um, uh, Bo Burnham's new Netflix special uh, called Inside. And if you haven't seen it, please go watch it because he's he's just excellent to what he does. Be careful; the songs will never leave your head. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. I've been That's singing it out loud for the last problem. <laughs> yeah, two months now. It's horrendous. Anyway, he has a sock puppet that's teaching him about the way that the world works. And the sock puppet's like, let me, you're not even listening to me. And it, the the tags thing feels a lot like that, where Twitch is, and we'll use Twitch as the example. Twitch does this thing where it's like, aha, we've done the thing that you wanted. Congrats. Look we did us. good. We did good. We did. Hold us accountable. We did the thing. And it's like, great, but what did you do about the guy who filmed a kiddie in a bathroom? Great, but what are you doing about all the harassment of trans people on your platform? Cool, but what are you doing about the top 10 streamer who got thrown out of a venue uh, by a woman and not only harassed her, but threatened violence against her on the way out? Wait, what are you doing, what are you doing about these? No, we banned the boobies for two days. It's okay. Look at us. We did oh, it. I'm not, I'm not sure me, how it's the whole... that on your stream, but... We didn't give you the tags because you'll be harassed. Yeah, um, no, it's okay, Twitch. We didn't want more moderation options. Don't you worry about us. Well, we've got to look after ourselves, don't you? Don't you worry about us. What's that? During Pride Month, you're going to feature more white people? Oh, thank you, Twitch. Oh, that's that. You but, could only fight but... two Irish streamers. We... For your Gaelic sections? Oh, thank you, Twitch. <laughs> Golly gee, like... But we had Black History Month. <laughs> we replaced the emo with a lizard. Please love us. Golly gee, we're really great. No, it... it so... So... All of these platforms, all of these places, all of these companies are not doing enough underneath the banner of allyship they're not um and we need to make sure that people everybody can see the difference um you know we we have had we have had the term virtue signaling uh taken away and and morphed to an extent that it is now no longer recognizable um but we 
we uh and transitivity in your chat uh, every month is white history month um we we need to make sure that we can recognize the difference and we are teaching people the difference between active allyship and my tiny cartoon certificate that was drawn with crayons that says congrats you did the bare minimum you are and almost a nice human thank you uh and yeah. that also extends to like people from these communities not letting themselves be exploited by these companies when it's time for that right like if you're if twitch reaches out to you only during black history month or only during pride month and you know they want to put you on the front page they want to promote you, and you're like great and they're like cool and you're like cool can i uh be verified no what's your promotion you know. plan for me for the next six months please before we yeah. before we start out for this what what is your plan uh, for my channel's development long term um, when am I being put in touch with a partner manager? Don't don't sit there and go, oh, Twitch did a thing for me. Uh, no, Senpai what are they going to continue? What, right. what are they, they going to continue to do? Like back it, in it. If you get that, and you do the, <laughs> if you get the first thing, and you're like, yes, this is amazing, and there's no follow up, recognize that no harm, no foul. You didn't mess up. You got excited. You took advantage of an opportunity. Don't let them continue to do that without giving something back and this is true for and i know so many like i know so many companies who do this they're like okay we're going to feature you during this month and you're like great can i like what's the contract oh no contract just we just wanted you that month and then you never hear from them again don't don't let them take advantage of you that way to be excited that's a really exciting thing twitch i i remember the first time that i was put on the front page of twitch and I went downstairs and I cried to my parents who had absolutely no idea what was going on, but were happy for me regardless. <laughs> um, you know, be it's a really exciting thing, but don't let them get away with doing this bare minimum. Recognize what that bare minimum is and do not, do not allow them. Uh, again, like... Uh, it's not quite to the same magnitude, I understand, but I got quite upset that they could only find two Irish streamers and one of them was Jacksepticeye. <laughs> now, if you were struggling, absolutely open it out to Celtic and find more Welsh and more Scottish streamers. But I absolutely categorically know there are more Irish streamers than two of them. I know. Right. And? Please, to folks watching this, if you want to be like an awesome ally, when people put out a call for like, hey, I'm doing a stream or a D&D &D game or a podcast or whatever, who should I ask? Please suggest people who are of color, who are queer, who are whatever, because like I have specifically gone out and been like, hey, I'm putting together a D&D &D stream. I'm looking for awesome women and people of color. And they're like, here's like here's like four guys and a white straight chick. And I'm like, look, I like all those people, but like, I'm sure you can get the context of what I'm going for here. And the problem is if I say, I only want people who are this, they're gonna be like, well, that's racist. So please, please at some point in my life, give me the confidence of an underqualified white man. Right? <laughs> and I, I hate, I hate to be, I, I hate to be like this. I really hate to be like this. And everybody who knows me understands that I never say things like this without the experience and the data to back me up. But please, if there is a God up there, allow me the confidence <laughs> of underqualified straight white lads who want in on something. Um, it, 
I, I, I really wish I could inst- I could bottle that confidence and give it to I, our I communities. I just want yeah, to spread. Right? I don't need all of it, just to spread. Again, coming back to, you know, oh, I only tick two must-haves, so I'll apply, hmm. versus, well, I'm not really sure if I take all four, maybe only half of the fourth one uh, and all the way through the others, so I won't apply because I'm only half. No, just apply anyway. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just apply, just apply, and just do it a- anyway. Apply and explain why your experience is so good and so relevant. And look, especially, and this, don't take this advice if you're outside of gaming. I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but gaming is a different place to apply. If you are in gaming, you are applying to a community manager position. If I am hiring for a community manager position and you have DM'd a campaign for two or more years, put that on your resume. You want you for my Discord service. Please, I beg you, I beg you. No, 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 sorry, my degree is wildlife education. I have a degree in wildlife education. Um, I have um, a BTEC in pet store management. Um, I have uh, several qualifications in uh, veterinary nursing and uh, post-anesthesia care for small and large mammals. I'm the marketing lead at what the internet and and data currently considers the eighth most successful games publisher of last year. We had so many games that did so well, we outdid Nintendo. Please believe, please believe me when I say you do not need a degree. You do not need lots of relevant experience. What you do need is to prove that you can do some of those things and you can fill the rest of the gaps. If there are gaps, explain how you can fill them. And if it is d and I ran a D&D campaign for two and a half years and I sat down in my interview and my boss went, okay, how do you deal with player conflict? And I made a joke about rolling D20s and then I explained about how week after week I managed to get people from different time zones all together and I managed to get them to agree on things while they were both at odds with their characters and at odds with each other on what they should be doing. If you can explain how you fill those gaps, it doesn't matter what pieces of paper you have. Please Mm -hmm. try. Just, you lose nothing for trying but the 20 minutes it took you to send over your CV. And it is it is so important if you are in a, a hiring manager if you're in a position where you can hire someone please don't just look at someone's like background look at their potential so the example i gave in my barclays article is like if i'm looking at someone and there are two people and they are just about equally qualified but this this candidate's a little bit more qualified on paper right but then i look at their backgrounds and this person had a college degree went right into a triple a career and has never not worked in triple a the last 15 years and this person has only five or six years of experience, no college degree, has bootstrapped everything. I would say this person is actually way more qualified because their potential is so much higher. They are clearly like, they are going to produce more, be more creative, be more fit and lean. Probably, can't say 100%, but like really, if you're in a position of hiring, look at potential and look at who's the right person for your team 
because the role is bigger than just the role. The role is the team. And if you are missing a voice, maybe that person whose qualifications are a little lower, but they're hungry, they can get the experience with you, but they're going to bring an, a, a perspective that your team is completely lacking. I would argue that's the right person for the job. I mean, I'm convinced. Uh, uh, anyone got any positions? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Can I say, if I can get by from teaching in zoos, and then I sold um, equestrian-flavored antiques um, Sorry, on what? eBay. Uh, okay, so... so like, have you been so, licking antiques? No, 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 no. Like, like, um, like uh, hunting sticks or saddles or bright. I know, I know too much about leather, and I know too much about whips at this point. Uh, it's it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm an actual leather worker, so I, 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 I also love everyone at the bar. I, do you know? I'd love to learn that because my mare is so pretty, but all all English tack is boring. It's all boring, and I hate all of it. I compete in the most boring tack. It's rubbish. Um, I'd love to be able to learn stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, if I can if I can manage coming out of, I used to fix problem ponies for people. I used to go to rich people's houses, sit on their little demon ponies that they'd bought for their children and make them and ride them until they were safe, right? I used to sell silver um, and uh, saddles and bridles and things like that in an auction house. Uh, and then I was a streamer for a little bit, but I wasn't terribly good at it. Um, and I used to teach people in uh, zoos and aquariums all over the country. If I can come from that to, to, doing, to doing what I do now, mate, you can do anything. Who cares what paper you've got? Who cares? Like, it, it, as long as you are willing to put in that work, yeah. All right. <laughs> We've gone completely <laughs> off track now. here. Right. I like so, that we broke Drac twice in this already. I, I I'm sorry. Oh no, I'm loving it. Um get excited. Um, People want to speak to me. <laughs> um so we've we've spoken about um it, you as um uh, women in the industry, but what about like LGBTQIA and um, uh, disability. How has that have affected you um, in the industry? Okay. Like I, I spent most of my career not actually aware yeah. that I was part of the community. Um, so coming into this was actually a, a new thing for me. And even still, um, I if I could like do an off switch and just like not, I, I would like, I just, I don't like, you know, what, what's your sexuality? No, please. <laughs> what's in your pants? Kindle. Like, just no. Could we just not? Um, I actually started um, like, it, it's be like, this sounds terrible when I say it, but like being part of the community is actually like an annoyance. Um, not that I don't want to be part of the community, but like the fact that I have to talk about, like even come out and say like, hey, my answer is please no. And I still have to talk more about that is very strange and invasive. And uh, I actually did not like went out of my way. Please be quiet, New York. I went out of my way to um, 
avoid talking about this and downplay it and like just be very evasive about it for a very long time um until i actually met someone else who was ace and for that like for me i can talk about it i just don't want to because people tend to ask really crude questions very quickly oh you're ace have you ever like why why do you feel comfortable asking me why that do you question? feel you have the right for that information right um <laughs> um but i had someone like ask me like the, i met someone who was ace and they were like oh like and we start talking about our experiences and for them it was very difficult for them to talk about they were incredibly uncomfortable um and that was kind of when i decided no actually i should be louder about this because for me yes it's an annoyance but i have the spoons right for me it's it's a cantrip or a level one spell. I can do it a lot. For some people, it's a much higher spell slot and it takes a lot out of them. Um, the other thing is uh, I am a dyslexic uh, and most people don't know this about me because I majored in English. Clearly I'm a masochist. Um, keyboards changed my life. Uh, I was I grew up young enough where keyboards were not a thing for a lot of it. In fact, in college, I wasn't allowed to use keyboards. I had to handwrite cursive in blue books and uh, actually had a professor come up to me and be like, are you dyslexic? Do you need to use a keyboard? Uh, because it was so obvious when I was writing, uh, but you couldn't tell. I actually get to celebrate my dyslexia a lot because um, dyslexics, we think about the world differently than a lot of people. I turn things in very strange ways. Uh, my favorite example is I actually failed an eye exam when I was a kid. I don't actually need these glasses. They're just computer glasses. But I failed an eye exam when I was a kid because they took me and they put me in front of a chart that I, it was a new chart. Normally it was just read the letter, which is hard enough. But they put me in front of a chart and they said, which way is the E facing? But here's the problem. As soon as you tell me it's an E, well, E's face that way. So it's, and I failed the eye chart and they said, like, I need the thickest glasses in the world. And it never even occurred to them the reason I completely failed every single one that wasn't an E was because they told me what it was, so my brain auto-corrected to it. So things like Monty Python and the Labyrinth, where they put things together, and Eddie Izzard, mm. when they put things together in weird ways, makes sense to me. Like, it's not weird, it's comfortingly logical. Uh, so a lot of why I'm really good at my job is that I can take these weird parts that don't necessarily go together and then mash them together. It's why people don't like to play horror campaigns with me, because those things don't belong together. Now they're together. Have fun dealing with that. Um, so, you know, there. that's how it's affected me. I've definitely gotten... I had an English professor in college. He didn't like me. He didn't believe that I was dyslexic. Uh, when I walked across the stage to get my diploma, he shook my hand and said I before E. Um, and like, and that I still carry that like scar, like that was shame for me. And dyslexia, like, I don't want to downplay, for me, it's a very, like I have a minor form of dyslexia. I can mostly get around it. But that's still like one of the lower, like disability neurodivergent things. I can't imagine carrying something heavier um, so I guess for me, I try really hard when I, when I find people who do think differently, who do have different disabilities, that means they come at things in different ways. And if you know someone, you know, who is neurodivergent, who is disabled, please encourage them, right, to, to speak up and how would they approach this because their approach is different, but not wrong and could potentially be better 
if adapted into the setting. So that's my little, I got on my soapbox there, sorry. No, that's super interesting to me because I'm I'm dyslexic. Uh, my mother was dyslexic and the only reason that I cope very well with dyslexia is because my mother taught me how to, to, to cope with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never ever heard it described that way before and that makes a lot of sense to me and I like <laughs> that a lot. Um, I, I, I love that a lot. Lots of people don't uh, assume that I'm not dyslexic. I write lots of our press releases. I write lots of our sort of campaign bits and pieces. Um, I hide it very well. Uh, and unfortunately, being a, a Welsh speaker where um, all of our letters, we we pronounce them in words exactly as they are. Whereas English, you've got lots of different sounds for lots of letters. In Welsh, if you know what all the letters sound like, you can just say them. You you can say words. Uh, you might not know what they mean, but you can, you can oh, disembodied arm in the background. Are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, it's just an arm. Ooh. Uh, my house isn't haunted, I promise. Um, no, so so um, having dyslexia and having to deal with English as a second language is is bizarre. Um, so yeah, that that's really comforting, and it, it it's interesting to hear it described that way. Um, but yeah, I I am dyslexic. Um, we we assume at this point that I have ADHD. Um, unfortunately, anybody who's ever spoken to me absolutely is is convinced that I have ADHD from the way that I just kind of go. Um, but the other the other thing that I have to add to my suite of oh no um, is that I've got EDS. So uh, none of my muscle tissue is built correctly. Um, none of my um, oh, what are they called in English? Okay. Uh, none of the the wires connecting up my muscles or my bones and things. Um, n- none of them are, are particularly good. Um, I have slight deformations in my little fingers, which I won't show anybody just in case they're squeamish. Um, and I can do things like I can bend my thumbs all the way back to my, not forward, but back to my wrists. Uh, and I can turn the tops of my thumbs over. This is a gift. It is a gift. And I will tell you why. Um, when we have games come through our company, I play them. And if I struggle, then I know that people, that I know that people on the same level of me or worse are going to struggle too. And we can put in things to help them. And I am in a in a very privileged position where I can be conscious of, this is going to be uncomfortable for X audience. I think this will be uncomfortable for Y audience. How can we fix this? Um, a really great example is Hypnospace Outlaw, which is a game that we do. Um, it's really cool. If you haven't played it, by the way, it's one of my favorites. I cried all the way through the credits. That They're all really cool. I'm going to stop saying that. Um, <laughs> Hypnospace Outlaw uh, is a, a game about, it's a detective game about the end of the internet, where the only clues you have to solve what happened to the internet are some shitty GeoCities pages um, that were, were previously left behind. Um, and it was built by a guy called Jay Tholen, who uh, researches everything to the end of the earth. And the idea is that you're accessing this internet while you sleep. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, and you wear a headband over your head and you access the internet while you're sleeping. Um, and the end of the game, I won't spoil it, um, but there is a flashing sequence where you as a player rip your headband off. And so there's a, a, a bit of a flash. Everything kind of goes wonky. Um, and then your your eyes, as they were, you can see your eyes in front of the camera and they open um, into a, 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 a morning kind of bedroom. And it took a long time for us to get that flashing sequence right. But the first time mm. it was made, nobody made two thoughts about it. We, we sat there and we went, yes, it flashes. Brilliant. Yeah, that really feels like I'm having a... Oh shit! That really feels like I'm having a seizure. Yeah, Pikachu syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Let's 
let's maybe look at that again. And then I, I really love having my disabilities. Um, I don't, they're really fucking painful. Um, but it means that, sorry. Uh, but it means that I'm sorry, I... did you just apologize for swearing on my channel? I did, yeah. <laughs> Fuck did. that not... shit. That's <laughs> oh, alright, no, good. No, sorry, my, my partner my partner's a streamer and he swears constantly and I'm painfully aware that not everybody is is the same as him because he's bloody fucking dreadful. <laughs> Go um, fucking ham. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I fucking hate uh, my disability because I'm in pain constantly and um, I very often can't press, I have to press buttons with this part of my thumb not the end of my thumb because otherwise it just sort of bends backwards um but it makes me painfully aware of how i can improve the games that we publish um and yeah okay uh, i'm really glad that i work from home because standing up from my chair is really hard sitting in a chair for a long period of time is really hard i have to get up at regular intervals and walk around and have a little stretch and click on my fingers and put my shoulders back into place and Whatever else it is that's going wrong that day. Occasionally I have to say, sorry, I'll just be back a moment in a meeting. And luckily for me, I can mute myself and go, ah, fuck shit, pit, as, as all my toes have dislocated for no apparent reason. Um, so it's, it's, it's bad in that way. Um, but as you know, from my working situation, I'm very lucky in that we've put all these things in place that I can work remotely. But also it makes me aware of all these difficulties that people might face playing our games. Um, difficult is is not a genre of video game and it's certainly not a genre of video game that i ever want to publish um we we I have had an enamel pin <laughs> difficult is not a genre it's not i'm really sorry i really enjoyed bloodborne but it took me three months to complete it i had to complete it with um uh gloves with hot water in over my fingers because i was in so much pain and my partner had to take over for one boss uh, which made me cry. It made me cry that I couldn't do one of the bosses mid-game because I had fallen in love with Bloodborne so much. Um, difficult's not a genre. Um, difficult is, is not a badge of honour in any way. And thankfully for me, my disability allows me to um, carefully advise the, the games that we publish, um, which is kind of nice, you know. Sorry, have I just made everything really serious? I'm very no, no, sorry. No, no, no. I'm just... <laughs> I, I I'm just shocked that there's a that there's a game that would that you'd have to play to that extreme. Oh, I love Bloodborne. Oh, oh I, no, I I get it. I it's just that oh, the idea no, that you have bad. to have like gloves. With... Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, I've got because uh, I do I do bits of glass cutting occasionally. So we've always got rubber gloves around the place. So you blow in a rubber glove, uh, fill up some, put some hot water in it, and tie it up. Um, and that way, because it's got fingers, you can pop it over the top of your, your hands like that so that it warms your knuckles and things. Um, it is much less cumbersome than, say, like a, a, a hot water bottle or, or something like that. And it lasts much longer than those weird gel clicky packs do. Um, so, yeah, no, I would have little gloves holding my hands uh, with some hot water in so that I could play Bloodborne for more than 15 minutes at a time. I mean, it's um, fucking yeah, genius. Like more dedicated than me. So much more dedicated. I, uh, no, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. Once I got over the first little difficulty bit, I adored everything about Bloodborne except the fact that it was so bloody hard. <laughs> um, I, I, I loved, I loved all of it, and I, I wanted to see the end. Now I can't do the DLC. Um, the mm. DLC is too fast. Um, I, I can't physically move my fingers that fast, unfortunately. Uh, but the fact that he had to do the stupid three people in a snake boss. 
Um, that made me cry. That sounds like uh, the start of a very strange porno. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was awful. I'm glad that he did that one then. That's fine. Mm. Uh, no, I, I was so desperate to see how it ended. And mm. I went around and I got all the shitty little slugs to get the proper ending. And, I, you know, I, I really I really love Bloodborne a lot, but it, it took me a long while to beat it, like a tiny section at a time. The other one that's really good, actually, that came out recently is Mario Kart. I no longer have to push down a button to constantly go in Mario Kart. That's great. Whoever invented that, give them a medal, please, because now I can do more than three races. I Fantastic. feel that. I recently started playing Final Fantasy Online and oh. I could not... <laughs> deal with the fact that I had to hold down to to look around. I've hotkeyed the click. So now all I have to do is push a button and I can move around to my heart's content. And it was just like, why isn't that thing? Yeah. Why isn't that no. just a normal setting? <laughs> so we, we, I told you about we've got this bike game, right? And you have to hold down to pedal. But Descenders is actually all about speed management. So you've actually got to be pushing it on and off and working out when to push it rather than constantly holding it down. Um, because, I, yeah, that's just not, not, great. not great. I've actually got back here on my, my pen banner, which I need to refill. I've got one that says, I heart easy games. I think it's from Whitethorn Digital. I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> I wear yeah. it with pride and people are like, oh, I'm like, yeah, 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 no. I beat The Legend of Zelda and The Adventure of Link. The original on the NES. I've earned playing easy games. Thank yeah. you. Really hard. I cannot. I cannot overstep. I know that I'm a bit. Uh, I come across as a little bit of a tweet gremlin, and that's all I ever do all day. Uh, play in the Discord servers with people and and shout at dev teams. Um, I know it comes across that, but I actually work really hard. At the end of my work day, I don't want to go back to work. Like I already did the work bit. Now I want to do the fun bit. Ah, uh, <laughs> why? Yeah, it's, I I yeah. play I play farming games with spreadsheets. Like that is the difficulty that I want out of life. <laughs> oh, um, oh dear. There we go. Now I've absolutely derailed us. Excellent. Um, right. We've got one more question, and it's an audience question. So um, our last question is, do game developers genuinely take things like LGBTQIA plus in games seriously, or do they just throw it in as a gimmick selling point? I've got a couple of great examples if you'd like them, friends. I, I promise I won't take you up too much more time because I have chatted my absolute face off. Um, a couple of our do. games- Stop apologizing. Uh, a, a couple of our games have got really important things in. Descenders recently, uh, our bike game, has now got body types in it and you can choose your body types and your hairstyles and your voices entirely independent of each other there are no genders attached to any of it um that was really important for us because we had members of our team that weren't yet represented in the game um we had members of our community who were not yet represented by our game we had members of our families that were not yet represented by the game um yes your grace a, a lovely character in it and I, I won't I won't say anything in case anybody wants to go and play it um but but they definitely uh, you definitely have the chance of allowing them to run away with the love of their life which is absolutely banned um by their fictional country um 
And you can absolutely, you can absolutely pick that and, and go and do that. If you don't do that, it's fucking miserable because allowing people to love who they like is correct. But we genuinely believe that. And we put these things in because they're a part of our experience, our, our everyday life experience. They're a part of the world that we live in. And we feel like we should represent that. Um, a game that we've got coming out soon that I absolutely can't talk about, but I'm going to talk about in the vaguest sense that I possibly can, <laughs> um, is about a cast of four characters. And each of the four characters... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I can't say anything until very soon. Um, it's about a cast of four characters. Each character is a different ethnicity. Um, those characters were written by those particular ethnicities. That's really important to us that we tell those stories. Um, we, I, I don't know, man, we put in pride flags like two weeks after pride month because we're slack wankers. Um, it's important to us that not only are we represented, but our communities are represented as well throughout all of our media. Um, we, I can't talk about any other, I, I can't, nothing like a slight wanker. Um, I can't talk about other companies. I can only talk about the one that, that I work for, but I'm super proud that we look at the world around us and we put as much of that world into our games as possible. It's not pandering, it's what we want. We put what we want in our games and our devs put what they want in their games. Um, and it's it, it's nicer that way. I feel um, that's it's super important to us. So yeah, no, we don't put them in just because um, we don't go. Oh, you know what? This game needs a gay person for the sake of being gay. Um, we put them in because we have experiences with these people that we would like to share. Ta -da. How about you, Kay? Um, from my experience with, uh, I, I'm I'm new to working in bigger studios, but I've also worked with bigger studios for a very long time. I will say, like I I worked with. Uh, I know Ben and Rebecca with Oblitz, and I know that representation and all that was very important to them. Uh, I think you would be surprised exactly how much people want to put in more representation and more diversity into games and how much um, risk management and budget plays into things that don't make it. Um, so every time... Every time something, as we put in, be it, you know, is it a religious symbol? Okay, how can this be abused? How much do we need to risk mitigate? Even if it's just like a headscarf, because, okay, so what do we do if people take this and then start doing sacrilegious things? They have a white avatar, they put that on, they do sacrilegious things. Is that good or bad? And sometimes it doesn't even come down, especially with studio, uh, mid-size studios, it's not just the call of the developers. It could be the call of the publishers and who's providing the money. Is this considered a good risk? Um, can we afford to body scan to have a number of bodies to start with? Well, okay, how much will it cost us to add that in later? Um, some of it is definitely, we're gonna get heat. Like it's set in this part of the world or it's set in this time or you know whatever this is. Are we going to get in trouble if this is not included? I'm certain that comes up in certain places in certain things. Um, but from my experience, it is either not thought of, it is someone who it just doesn't occur to them, or it is that group of people within the company going, we need to respect this, we need to represent, we wanna make sure, like if we're saying that we want these people to play our games, they need to be able to see themselves in the game. And that has become like a mantra that I hear a lot is, 
you know, if you want them to play the game, they should see themselves in it. Um, and a lot of it is budget, a lot of it. And it, it that sounds so dumb because it's like they're these game budgets are this big. Um, game development is very complex, especially every, every pound is accounted for as well. Every down down to the penny, it is all worked out. My my producer who does our milestones is phenomenal, and they do they they work it out a bit at a time. And if they you don't have that extra bit, mm. it, it it can't it can't happen. And there's a lot of yep. weighing up there that, as you say, is not always the developers unfortunately and so things sometimes get cut not because they didn't want it in there but because it was we have to do this or we have to have this feature and while this inclusivity would be nice the game doesn't work without this feature um and this is why i said earlier if something is accessibility or diversity and it brings in money that is what you want to go with and that sounds horrible and capitalist and it is but that's also how things happen because if it's diversity and a nice to have and it gets cut it's not there but if you can say if you can make an argument for like hey if we have you know this people this will appeal to this market and this is why it is important to be loud about wanting to see things because if they can come in and say hey here's articles here's all these people here's this hashtag where all these people say we need to see more of this diversity is important to me i will not buy these games if they do not have these things then it can be incorporated into the budget and it's more likely to be included in the games um so yes there's certainly someone a money pusher somewhere saying this will or will not happen because of budget because people will support it but at the same time, there's groups of people shouting, put this in here, let people see themselves. This is important. And it is that it is that balance. It is that we want to make the best product possible. We have to ship it for a reasonable amount of money with a reasonable amount of time. So if the louder you are and the more you demand this and the more you hold people accountable, the more likely you're going to see these things that you care about be made priority. It really does matter. Okay, well, that's our questions done and dusted. Um, before I, I go on my, my spiel, um, is there any last words of wisdom that you wish to pass on? Um, okay. First, thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for asking questions and for being involved. Like, it's... It has been a very long journey for me, and it is exciting to be be in spaces where this can be talked about. Uh, be loud, be proud, be your best self. Um, and please remember always that there is always a person, a developer, a community manager behind that screen. Uh, so you don't have to be overly kind, but do be kind. Uh, and we are a we are a big gaming community, and we want the same things. So let's watch out for each other. Hip. Sure, wisdom is my kind of thing. Um, I'll I'll be honest. I'm not I'm not super good at the the whole wisdom thing. Um, but yeah, uh, please, please always remember when you're um when you're looking at games to pick up, when you're looking at you know studios to support. Um, if you see something that that your values don't match with, um, please make sure that you're you're making that known. Um, we are constantly now making space in our industry 
to allow people to be safer, to put in things in, in place. And the more voices we have to say, hey, actually, that's that's not on, the more space we have to start making these things right. Um, so where where things don't align with your values, please make sure that, that you are making that known and you are part of that change. Um, but yeah, as Kate said, um, at the same time, please remember that us tweet gremlins um, who sit there and, and, and put our posts together and things, um, very, very often we, we are just being, we, we're we just doing our jobs and being human at the same time. So please, please make sure you've been know anything. at it. Oh, don't. Um, uh, yeah, but please, please make sure you're, you're kind to your community managers and your social media managers and your marketers. Um, and your moderators. We hire yeah, your moderators. Yeah, hug, hug your moderators and tell them they're doing a good job every day, please. Um, because they're all excellent. But yeah, no, um be be kind and, and make it known where something's not quite right. All right. Well, I I just want to say a big thank you to both of you for coming and talking to me today. Um I mean it has been an absolute delight. Um I wish we had way more time because <laughs> oh god, I didn't want this to end. Um but Yes, thank you so much. Um, can I Thanks get for having um, me. <laughs> can I get some shout outs, please, for Kate and Pip, um, or at least at least the Twitters, if not the uh, uh, um, Twitch as well. Um, apparently, you've got some Welsh uh, fan there now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do we do we medry shout and and hotel Welsh now? Do we medry shout this snake? Uh, especially the the Australian and a chat chat Yeah. Yes, uh, that. 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 <laughs> Magical. Magical. Imagine, imagine how intelligent I sound in Welsh compared to how intelligent I sound in English. Oh, oh being able anyway. to tendons and ligaments. My God. Sorry, we got there in the end. Thank you everyone for listening in. Um, next stream will be Sunday. Um, but thank you all. I hope you have a good rest of your evening or day. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And I will see you all soon. Say bye all. Bye.